appreciate it. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's lovely to have Willie and Evelyn with us again. And it's always a great honor to have them, a great fellowship we have together. And Brother Willie's going to come and share what God's put in his heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. Lovely to have you, Willie. Amen. Amen. Before we say anything, I'd, I'd like to say something. That's, that's good English, isn't it? I, I, I've been pastoring for now seven years in Letterkenny this month. Seven years. You know, it's wonderful. I found a thing over, I'm 50 years saved. I found a thing over the years, and that is this. That whenever I would preach in my church, they'd get a guest speaker come in occasionally. And everybody, I never heard anything like that. That's absolutely fantastic. And I'm sitting there thinking, I preached on that last week. <laughs> You're not aware of that, are you? I think it would be really nice. I think it'd be an honorable thing to do. To honor to whom honor is due. Anything that starts up in God's economy, in God's way, he always has a man. Then gets people to join him. And then they get people to join that. But he always has a man. He never had a committee. He had a man who had the courage. Joshua, he was told to be strong and very courageous. He had the courage to do something. And I think it would be right. I think it would be proper. I think it's acceptable by everybody in here to appreciate your pastor. It's not easy. I think every pastor should be an evangelist and every evangelist should be a pastor to see the pressure of it all. I'm not going to, should I do this? Could we all stand, please? This get if you if you find any difficulty with this, that means you're religious. I'd like us to put our hands together and appreciate Pastor Tim. <laughs> and his family, his beautiful wife and family. All right, all right, give me some time, that's it, sit down. <laughs> Have you ever wondered this? We're going to look at Psalm 84 in, in a moment, but have you ever wondered this? What the Lord did to his disciples, we're not said to make converts, we're told to make disciples. A disciple is a disciplined learner, but he, he told them, to cross over to the other side. To cross over to the other side. And he got in the boat with them. But then what happened? He fell asleep. He fell asleep. <laughs> he gets you committed. And then he falls asleep. He gets you to get on board the boat. And all the drive and the excitement of getting over to the other side, to a new adventure, to a new time and a new period in your life, whatever the case would be. And then apparently he falls asleep. 
and you're saying, Lord, where are you? You told me to start this. You told me to step out. You told me and in stepping out, then there's other steps to be taken. It's like whenever you get on a bicycle out there, it's a perfectly calm day. If you get on a bicycle and you start to go forward, you'll find opposition. You'll find the wind coming against you. My submission to you tonight is, what would happen if the wind changed direction? Instead of being against you, suddenly it's behind you, pushing you on. I think it takes real courage then to step out and do what God wants you to do, what he created you to be at the very, very beginning of your life. You had a purpose in mind. See, we can cope with difficulties. We can cope with opposition because we've learned to do that over the years. (laughs) But what would happen if God changed direction? The wind, instead of opposing you, starts to push you forward. That takes courage. That takes courage. Venturing into a new venture. The opposition we have sometimes is in ourselves because we have hit this awful place called the comfort zone. To the child of God, never get into a comfort zone. Never, never accept that this is what it's going to be like. There's three, in, in, in problems and difficulty, there's three different powers available or in that. There's first of all, there's the devil. <laughs> but we know he's defeated, but that's what happened at Calvary. <laughs> but he's a liar, so he presents lies and he gets you to sign them. Don't accept any of them. Greater is he who's in you than he that's in the world. But there is that opposition from the enemy. Then there's the opposition from ourselves. Because we blame ourselves. I should have done this. I should have done that. I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have said that. And we beat ourselves over the head. And the third one. Now wait for this one. It may be God. It may be God. It may be God. And wonderful thing about the Lord, there's no comfort zone. He's always stretching you. (laughs) Stretching you. And and a little example, you get saved, you know, and you you go to a a, a young people's meeting, and then what happens is the guy in charge, he announces that you're going to give a testimony, and you've never given a testimony in your entire life, and suddenly you're in that place so you have to tell how you got saved, and that's wonderful. It's wonderful you can do it when you're experienced. You, you've done it before. But see, the first time, what's, what's, what's God up to? That's what we're looking at tonight. He may be doing something greater in us than we're, we're aware of. Maybe he's stretching us to accommodate the purpose for which you came here in your, this life, the age you are, where you are. He wants you to accommodate him because I have found out in a few years that God is bigger than we thought he was. He's greater than we ever dreamed he was. I know we can sing the cliches and so forth, and it's right to do that, but to understand that God is a big God. 
God can do exceeding abundantly above all you can even ask, hope, or think. Sorry about that. God is a big God. Never, never handicapped him. That's what happened in Psalm 78. That's what happened. They limited the Holy One of Israel. They said, can God provide a meal in a desert? Because why? Why did they ask? Almost you feel sorry for them because... I mean to say, there's four million of them. And there's all their animals, the livestock. And it's not 60 degrees. It's 100 plus during the day. And I don't know what it is. It's minus, I think, at night. But it's a place where there's no water and there's no food. They almost seems to be justifiable question. A justifiable question. How can God provide food in the middle of a wilderness? They limited the Holy One of Israel. Can God do this? God may even come to you by his precious Holy Spirit and tell you, I want you to do such and such. And then you start to consider it. And for God's involvement, first of all, it has to be impossible. It has to be impossible. I've I've been living in this situation this last 50 years. A, B, C, D, above and beyond the call of duty. That's where God wants you to go the extra mile. Above and beyond the call of duty. To go where it's not many footsteps there's not many people at the top of that mountain but God says can you trust me for the impossible just in, in, in a comment I made I think it was this morning in this aspect um, we thought it would be impossible for Martin McInnes and Ian Paisley to even be in the same room That wall, Berlin Wall, that was up for all those years, impossible, impossible that it would ever come down, but it came down almost overnight. There's a term they use in law, and that is if you, uh, I don't know whether to say it or not. Maybe I shouldn't say it. But anyway, it, it actually means... Once you're committed to something, you can actually put the judge on. Don't tell anybody that word. You can put the judge on notice. You can say, you're on notice. I was with my brother-in-law and he put the judge in big court case on notice. And the judge had to clear off. Does God put us on notice? Do you believe that I can do for you in your situation? The absolute total impossibility can be changed overnight. Whenever they, I think it's Matthew, whenever they said, they came to him in the boat and they said, curse thou not that we perish. And he said, where is your faith? It was little faith, but it was still faith. He wasn't putting them down. He was saying, even the little faith you have, 
if you start believing, you will start, <laughs> these cliches shouldn't be used, but if you start believing, you will be receiving. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, it says, when they came to, they came to the, to where he was, and they said, more or less, help us, we're drowning. We're going to drown. We need your help. We're going to look at the psalm here, Psalm 84. That's what I said, was, Psalm 84. What are you saying tonight, Willie? I want us to go out with an understanding afresh and anew. Like literally, like I've already quoted, God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or even think. Lovely are the tabernacles. Look at these words, O Lord of hosts. That's in verse 1. And again in verse 3, O Lord of hosts. Verse 8, O Lord of hosts. And verse 12, O Lord of hosts. We're going to go through those verses in a moment. O Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth. God who has total has total control over everything. In the New Testament, it's Pando Crater. In the Old Testament, with Jehovah Sabaoth, who's in absolute total control of everything. When it looks like in our country, in our world at this time, everything's going crazy. Everything's crazy. It's almost, we've got a wee granddaughter, you know, she's, she's only, she'll be a year old this next week or two. Yeah. A year old. And you say, oh dear Lord, help them. Because the society now for them is far worse than it was for us. My submission, don't accept that, though that be true. Don't accept that. You know what it says actually to me? God's able to do even for that little darling exceeding abundantly greater and greater than greater than greater. Exceeding abundantly. Lord of hosts, God who's in absolute total control, even when it looks like it's a reversal, even when it looks like it's going the wrong road. How beautiful, lovely are thy, are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even faintest for the courts of the Lord. L-O-R-D, capitalized, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. God has made a covenant with you through the blood of his dear son that he would never leave you, that he would never forsake you, that he would go before you and make the crooked path straight and the rough places smooth. If, 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 if a path was nice and clean and neat, there were too many people on it. The path that God leads us as individual homes, we were farmers and all that, God led us out of that. There was a few, <laughs> there was a few potholes, few bends in the road, but you know who was leading? And he was leading us, and he was... He was doing something. We go to Bible school. I've never been to Bible school. Maybe that's pretty obvious, but I never was at a Bible school. But I'll tell you the truth. God's got a Bible school. (laughs) 
And he puts you in the big end, he brings you out the wee end. I've said that before. And then what used to be the wee end, we find it's still there, it's same size, but it's the big end because the end that it's opposite to it is a <laughs> Except he gets you out, you're staying there. And I find this about the Lord. He operates, God operates on you because he's got a masterpiece. But sometimes he doesn't use anesthetic. Sometimes it can be very, very painful. Sometimes you feel like he has lost the plot. He's forgotten about you. And there's nothing as sickening as stand beside somebody. I don't mean that, but it's just a term. <laughs> I stand beside somebody and there's a God spoke to me and, and you want to see what he did for me and you know and you're standing there, that's wonderful, that's wonderful, and you're you're starting to say, No, never happens to me. Nothing ever happens to me. <laughs> if there's any change, the change is it's getting worse. Maybe you're also positive that, that doesn't happen. Well, I'm just being honest with you. It happens a lot. <laughs> that's happened. Why? Because he knew what he was co- what he was dealing with. You know, my soul fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. That's what I want, the living God, the real God, the real Jesus. He used to be a little booklet years ago. It was about that size. And uh, it was this photographs of all these drawings of these little children they're all the same person and then the question was where is Waldo <laughs> they were all Waldos they're all Waldos where is where is the real Waldo I, I said to you where is the real God where is the real Jesus where is the Jesus who hears you know it's dangerous if you want to go down this road because you'll meet people on it like George Mueller You'll only meet people on, you could go on the whole history of these men who built CT stud married a girl from Nisburn. You know that? Mm-hmm. And if, if his money that he gave away as a cricketer, now this is a different world we're living in now. We're not just nice little children of God and saved and that's good. But God wants to get a people prepared for what's coming. This is preparation for up there. If his money had been in today's culture, it'd be 25 million. He'd just give away. They give a number of millions to Mueller. What are you talking about, Willie? This is what I'm talking about. If I get pushed about like this here, I'm going to spread that on, get everybody to suffer with me. Not suffer, that's the wrong word. this makes sense the, uh, yeah the sparrow has found a house and swallow a nest for herself that she may lay hold uh, that she may lay her young even thine altar O Lord of hosts my king and my God blessed blessed are they that dwell in thy house they will be still praising thee it's Selah, says in the old King James here. Blessed are they that dwell in my house. Selah. 
that's not to make sure at the right time, but keep that from bouncing about. Selah says, read that over again. It's, there's some truth there, something we can get. Blessed that they dwell in my house. One of the signs of the, of the last days is going to be, it's, a, it's over in Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. This part, 25, who for, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Listen, but exhorting one another so much the more as we see the day approaching. I think it's absolutely a miracle. Look at these people in Belnahinch in a beautiful place on a Sunday night. I know people who say, well, it's a nice day and we can't get to church because it's sunshine, but you're here. That says something to me. This is a great group of people. This is God doing something wonderful. This is fantastic. One of the signs of the last days is they, they, say, they forsake assembling themselves. Then Jesus said, you know, about faith, will I find it when I come back? I think you should clap yourself tonight. <laughs> because you've got a deposit of something which is incredible. Which unfortunately in, in the world in Christendom has disappeared. You see, you love, whether you're aware of it or not, but a stranger can observe these things. You love God for God. You love God for God, for who he is. That just qualifies for God's attention and God's involvement when you love him for himself. So many people love God for some benefit that they want or something. Rubbish. You just believe God and walk. You love him for himself. And you become a conduit, as Americans call it. You become a pipe for the blessing of God to flow through you to meet the needs of others. I think it's absolutely wonderful, Tim. I think it's absolutely incredible. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. I remember going to church Travelled 28 miles that way and 28 miles went back again. I'd be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night and Friday night and anything was on special. I am so glad I went one particular Tuesday night. I'm so glad I went one particular Tuesday night because I had to leave all, I've told you this before, all these young people home and one of them was a girl called Evelyn. And I left her home last, and I said, would you like a cup of coffee? And we went the next day, or the next evening, I think it was, to Bangor, to the Winston Hotel, and had a cup of coffee. Came out, pulled the car into a lay-by, and I said, Evelyn, I've got to ask you a question. She says, what's that? And I says, what's your name? Evelyn, what? She says, Smith. I said, Evelyn Smith, will you marry me? She said, yes, I will. We were married inside four months. I'm so glad, I'm so glad I was in church that Tuesday night. 
so glad I made the effort when my flesh or my friends were getting on a Sunday or a Tuesday or whatever, they were going to Newcastle for the day or the night or whatever the case may be. But that particular Tuesday night, I went to God's house. (laughs) You just never know what God has in store. Be they dwell in thy house, they will be still praising thee. It's, 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 it's saying something. It's saying this. It's easy to praise God when everything is going well. And we have every justifiable reason. But if you're going to be a man, woman of God, for the days that were ahead of us, you want to be able to praise God even if the reverse is happening. Even if the things aren't happened that you assumed were going to happen and they didn't happen. You praise him. You praise him for, I've said it already, you praise him for him. God's content, God's pleased with that. You love God for God, not what's on God's table, though there's plenty on his table. But in due season you reap if you faint not. In due season he will add it to you. But if you love him for him, I know you do. We're going to go on quicker here. And verse 5, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. This is the beginning of this relationship that the psalmist is saying. Blessed, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. Ozi in the Hebrew, O-Z-E-E for that word strength. It means strength that comes at the beginning of a relationship. Between us and God, God makes allowances for our humanity. God makes allowances for our mistakes at the beginning. God makes allowances because we don't know. I, I got saved. Something came into my life, and I didn't even know what it was. I sure know what it was now. Because the Lord came into my life. That may sound strange, but that's the way it was, folks. God makes allowances at the first. He gives you strength. You feel joy unspeakable and full of glory. You you wish you were at the cross, as it were. That night you got saved. You wish you were at that place again and again and again and again. You feel his presence. You The sin is gone. The change has happened. You're a new creature. Your focus is different. The sky is blue and that, you know, the grass is green. It's all new. He strengthens you. He reveals, he rolls up his sleeves and he shows you, he begins to reveal to you how big he is. How big he really is. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. He makes you the head and not the tail above and not beneath. It's wonderful. He starts to reveal how big he is. It's the beginning. That gives you strength, whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, in whose heart are the ways of thee, in our very, very, very bodies, physical bodies, in our desires. We, we've got this presence with us. He guides us. He speaks to us. It's wonderful who, verse 6, who passing through the valley of Baca, 
that valley of Becca that's called the valley of weeping passing through the valley of weeping passing through it doesn't say who gets the material and builds a house there it doesn't say who stays there it doesn't say who's camped there for, for life no we are blessed by God in the initial income into our lives to show us how great his love can forgive us, how he can establish us in this walk that we're with him. We're walking with him and he starts to reveal himself to you. But then it says you go through the valley of weeping. You go through it. Sometimes we get surprised at valleys, especially at the first you almost get after after been a number of valleys for fifty years. You know you get sort of used to them. <laughs> you know what's coming up. You know what's coming up, and I'm about to tell you that in a minute. God has a purpose in all of these things. God has a purpose. It makes it a well, makes a valley, which to you is a valley of weeping. It can become a well. It's got water into it, in it. It's got, and it. There's enough substance that can help somebody else. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can show somebody he's walking in the wrong, that's what we want to be. That conduit, not to be a reservoir. The Silent Valley would be an awful monster of a place if it was a reservoir. It's a fantastic place. You know why it's a fantastic place? Because it's a reservoir and the water flows through it. And your life is a reservoir in the sense it becomes the source of bringing the life of God to people, to others. If somebody asks you, you know, if you're on the road a while, somebody asks, well, what are they going to do about it? You'll be all right. It's okay. <laughs> it'll, it'll sweat and I don't know sweat. It's going to be all right. And the guy's going you know, to pull his hair out. I, I used to do that, but I don't do it anymore for other obvious reasons. <laughs> but you, you just know, you know, I've been down. Oh, is that all? Is that where you are? Oh, glory to God. You'll be all right in about 10 years, but you'll be all right. <laughs> it's the only thing you can keep by giving away. Give it away. Help somebody as they pass along, then my living shall not be in vain. Amen. Blessed thou, whose strength is in thee, who, in whose heart are the ways of them who passing through the valley of Becca makes it a rain and makes it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Now, there's a different Hebrew word for strength here. It's kail, but it's actually spent K-A-Y-E-L-L. It's strength that comes. Now listen, it's strength that comes through going through a number of valleys. <laughs> the strength that comes. You remember the scripture, mount up with wings as eagles, fly like an eagle. 
run and then walk. We would have it the other way around. We, we, we would say it's better, well, we can walk and then we can really go. We're, we're running and then we'll get to the place where we're flying. God says, no, no, that's the wrong way. That's the wrong way around. It's the other way around. You fly at the beginning. You fly out of the problems. You're up there in the heavens. It's absolutely incredible. Then you slow down a bit and you run. You can, you know, jog or you can keep going. But this blessing. But God wants you to get to the place where you walk. Like Adam, whenever God came to the Garden of Eden, God was walking with Adam in the cool of the day to be able to walk with God. Not to be blown about by every wind of doctrine and everything and everything and everybody and everything. <laughs> Horrible stuff. But to get to the place where you walk with God, you'll be okay because he's a good God. And not only is he a good God, he's good to me because whenever I was going to pieces, he came. Wherever I lost all hope and thought the call of God was gone, Whatever it seemed as if he, did, he was an enemy. Nobody loved me. When they turned their back on you, they'd walk across to the other side of the road rather than even come near you. He still came every morning and every night. His word is still true. I can trust him. I can trust his heart even when I cannot trace his hand because he's got a good track record of never giving up on anybody hallelujah Hallelujah. there's no case that's impossible with them he can change things he can change he can make the wrath of man to praise him if we really really honestly and be truthful what I may do but truthfully really, really, really realized who we have on the inside of us. We would not need a Koshka to go back to Letterkenny or a jet airplane. If you really, really, really knew and totally convinced, I knew it without a shadow of a doubt. Hold on a minute. They are all yapping, 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 yapping. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. We run into it and we are safe. You climb to the top of that strong tower and you look down at all the yapping dogs all around you. Look at them. Ha, 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 ha. You know why? Because you've got peace in your soul because you really, really truthfully recognize and realize who it is that's living on the inside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The strength that comes that comes as a result of going through difficulties. Every one of them in Zion appears before God. He 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 vets them before they get through. He knows how much you can take. No man be tempted above what you're able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape. He knows how much you can take, brother, sister. He knows whenever it says that's enough, that's it. That's it. No more. No more. The wind changes from the back and you're carried along. They go from strength to strength. O God of hosts, Sabaoth, who's in complete control, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah, 
What is his seal over that? Give ear, O oh, oh God of Jacob. Remember, even in the New Testament, Jesus says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you remember Jacob? He was a gangster. You couldn't trust him. He was in and out and up and down. He was, he was not a nice man. But he remembered the angel wrestled with him. He, everybody says he wrestled with the angel. No, the angel instigated, instigated it. He was the one that came up with the idea. And he wrestled with him. Why? He was changing his name from gangster, con man, couldn't trust him, to a prince with God. And yet, and yet, throughout Scripture, even though his name was Israel, prince with God, prince with God, you'd think he would never use that other name again. And they would only use this name. No, they keep using this, this name. Jacob, you know why? Because he's reaching down to our human nature to us where we are even in the days that we live in. Reaching down to you. I know where you are. I know you don't believe me. I know you're in doubt. I know you're in a confusion and you're not sure what to do. You should have because you're saved 50 years. But I still love you. I've still got a plan for you. The wonderful thing about the Lord is he can, he can change things in your life even if it's your fault. We do that. Everybody's very quiet. I've got a problem. <laughs> even if we're to blame, even even if we think we're perfect and we know we're not, he knows we're not. He says that doesn't change my love for you, and my relationship with you. <laughs> oh, you don't don't say this. You won't report. You won't. You won't report me. You could say to the enemy, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> You hear Evelyn coughing. She always coughs whenever she doesn't approve of something I say. <laughs> she coughs quite a lot recently. <laughs> no. Hallelujah. Amen. They go from strength. Every one of them in Zion appears before God. Oh Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O oh God of Jacob. Behold, O oh God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. Look at behold our shield. I can see this. I don't want to. After something else to say here near 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 the end, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Amen. Wickedness in the sense of doing it on your own—that's the greatest sin of all. It's not the sin that the fallen nature does. That's wrong, of course. But it's the biggest sin of all. It's the sin of, I can do it without him. I can, I can, I can. I'm, I got to the place in my life is I can do nothing without him. Nothing. And the greatest asset a person can have is not how much you know, but to realize how much you don't know and how much you need him who knows everything. Self-sufficiency is sin. Ladies, this is for you. Men are full of pride. Self-sufficiency. We'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I know what to do. Stand back. I'm the man. I'm taking over. <laughs> Two men looked out from prison bars. One saw the mud and the other saw the stars. I hope you're seeing the stars tonight. <laughs> Not too much mud. <laughs> We get to the place where we realize that we can't do it. 
That's the greatest place to be. I think the danger would be to be in the place where we realize we can do everything. Then we wouldn't need him. That would be a disaster. Hear my prayer, O God, of Jacob, doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, and then dwell in the tents of it. I just want him for him. Just love him for him. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He's a, he's a light and he's protection. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That's not talking about behavior. It's talking about uprightly, above and beyond the call of duty, where you come to the place and you, you get to this wonderful place where nobody else can do it, only him. That is when things start to happen. When you come to the place where we recognize that we can't, that we need him. And we get on here and you're finished. The Lord of hosts, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man. Blessed. If it were in the New Testament, Macarius, in the Old Testament, Jehovah's Sabbath, you get into this place of blessedness. It's him who trusteth. That word trust is seven Hebrew words for the word trust. Seven Hebrew words. That word means bata. It means, this is it. You're blessed if you get to this place in your understanding. Blessed is he who bata puts your full weight on. I think I did this before. Puts your full weight on him and makes no provision for the foolish. Just trust him. You do your part. You do all the things in life that you should do, but you get to the place where you trust him. You put your full weight on him. He will then start opening doors. He will change things. Just, just, um, I've got a, a scripture here. It's on another, it's on another, uh, it's J.B. Phillips in the Old Testament. J.P. Phillips, he's, he's speaking here on the New Testament. This isn't the commentary, by the way. This is the actual uh, words of James 1, 2 to 8 by J.B. Phillips, New Testament. Okay, you've heard of J.B. Phillips? Good man. Christian can even, you can't say these things in some people. This is what he says. The Christian Christian can even welcome trouble. Don't know what about that one. <laughs> I want to get rid of trouble as quick as I can. <laughs> no, he's a, he, he, I know what he means here. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into our lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders. Charles Stanley, I heard him recently. He said that he was opposed horrifically at the beginning of his ministry. You know who I mean by Charles Stanley? At the very beginning. And there was this group that opposed him and wanted to get him out and so forth. So forth. And uh, he, was, he was talking to the Lord about it over a period of time. He said, Lord, you've got to get them out of here. And they ruined the church. They're going to, and God, apparently the Lord spoke to him and says, treat them as sent from me. This is a different level we're talking about now. Treat them as sent from me. And he says, what? I wanted to get rid of them. And you're saying, treat them as if I, that you sent them. 
to oppose me and all this. But you see, God was working at the other end. God was working at something greater. God was pure. He had him in Bible school. He was tuning him, getting him ready. He's 85 now. He's 85 now. He's on TV two or three times a week. Well, I don't know how often it is. But he's a great man. A great man. He's, I don't agree with everything he says, but some things he does say is very good. And he doesn't agree with everything I say. I am sure of that. <laughs> All kinds of trials and temptations crowd into our lives, my brothers. Don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. I'm going to learn something through this. I'm going to learn something. Not only what to do, maybe what not to do, but I'm going to learn something this coming through this way. Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. You know what the, the boxer trainer does? He gets that guy up at 3 o'clock in the morning and he gets him to get on the outside and start jogging and he drives the rules and the guy, <laughs> he starts running and they run for hours and hours and hours and the sunshine, not when it's snowing, when it's raining, everything. Cruel, cruel. God wants to, and he, he is training him. If he wants his boxer to be the world champion, he is going to submit that boxer to intense training. Does this, anybody getting anywhere with this? But let us, let the, the process go on until the endurance is fully developed. In other words, don't quit. Don't, don't bail out. But let this process go on until uh, that endurance is fully developed and you'll find that you've become a man or a woman of mature character. I, I would submit into there who people could trust. With the right sort of independence because they depend on God. And if in the process any of you does not know how to meet any particular problem. He has only to ask God who gives generously to all men without making them feel foolish or guilty. Huh? Does this say something? God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing even we don't know. God's up to something. He's pruning. He's and in John 15, prunes the fruit trees so that they will bear more fruit. And he may be quite sure that the necessary wisdom will be given him whenever he, he, he gives generously to all, God gives generously to all men without making them feel foolish or guilty. You asked the Lord, was this of God tonight? You asked the Lord, was this of God tonight? And if it isn't, throw it out. But if it is, take it on board. God knows what he's doing. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And he made quite sure that the necessary wisdom will be given him. But he must ask in sincere faith without secret doubts as to whether he really wants God's help or not. The man who trusts God but with inward reservations is like a wave of the sea carried forward by the wind one moment and driven back the next. That sort of man cannot hope to receive anything from God and the life of a man is divided, 
of divided uh, of of loyalty will will reveal stability, and the unloyal man instability. You understand that? God knows what He's doing. You almost feel like the Scripture says, "I've set before you an open door." Paul was told, and there's many adversaries. You almost feel like when you see the adversaries, you know there's an open door. Something good's going to happen. <laughs> Nobody loves me anymore. Everybody hates me. Praise God, there's something great coming down the line. Wow, that's wonderful. Anyway, I'll, 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 not, I'll not go on much more. I'll give these all to my wife to prove that I'm near finished. <laughs> you know why? You know why you can't strengthen and be mature and grow? Do you remember in Mark chapter 4? And Jesus was talking about sowing a seed. Oh, this is not a punchline, is it? This is not a punchline. I've seen presentations made and they had sowing the seed. Sowing the seed means sowing the seed means you send up a hundred pounds and then you get a new car. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a demon spirit. That's bringing more damage to the to the body of Christ than any other single thing. That is not of God. None of that manipulation is of God. I'm talking about the way Jesus said it sowed the seed is the word of God. Sow the seed in your heart, not just in your head. It gets from your head down into your heart. Joshua was told to meditate therein day and night so you'd be strong and have good courage. Look what he had to do. Four million people all over, take them into the promised land. How did he do it? Because he meditated on the word of God. Meditated. Meditation is not just, uh, and he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. That's great, wonderful. Everyone's the tea ready yet? That's not, that's what, that's, 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 don't do that. This is where you meditate, did you see? And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. I'm doing two things there. I'm reading God's word, and I'm saying God's word. Whenever they came to Jesus and they said, these things have been twisted to such an extent, it's almost dangerous to say them. Like saying so and, 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 and giving and all those types of things, but planting the word of God in your heart. But the answer to wrong use is not no use, but right use. So you put God's word in your heart. Let the weak say, I am strong. And you start to say it. You meditate on it. You don't see if you can read the Bible through in three months. You stay in one verse, one portion of Scripture for three months, over and over and over and over. Whenever the, the disciples said to Jesus, tell us how, show us how to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father, say it. Sparrows Oriates, you know Sparrows Oriates. He's a great Greek scholar. He emphasizes this point of saying what God said. Saying what God said. He said he'd never leave us. Nor, if you, here's a question very quickly. Have you ever testified? You told somebody about what the Lord did in your life? You've done that. How do you feel afterwards? Like a million dollars. Am I the only one thinking like this? 
Have you ever felt like, praise God, that was wonderful because you felt the presence of God. You felt the smooth appreciation of the Lord. His presence is with you. Whenever you start to say his words, it becomes a reality in your life. There's too many to go on here. There's just too I have six. All right, Evan. That's a meeting almost over. I'm not giving you tonight a quick fix. I'm giving I trust. I'm giving you, maybe you've heard something that will strengthen you, that will prepare you, that will explain things. Nothing happens to a child of God by accident. The, uh, the enemy, there's ourselves, but sometimes it's God coming on scene. I am finished, in fact. We're passing through the valley of Baca. You get, you get to the place where you thank God for Baca because you've learned so much. I wish I had, I don't think I have it in the Bible. Uh, a wonderful man of God, he said, nice things. He says, I never learned anything by favorable, see it Spurgeon, I never learned anything by favorable circumstances. circumstances. I don't think I have it done. I never learned anything by favorable circumstances. I never learned anything by favorable circumstances. I don't have it. I thought I had it. I have it at home, man, as must be. But I learned everything from the anvil and the chisel and the hammer. He says, through that period of time, he says, I learned about my God things that I could not have learned any other way. Only seeing God coming and helping, explaining, energizing. You ever read the scripture, the light shines out of darkness? Our mind says, no, 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 no. no. The light's supposed to shine into darkness. No, 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 no. It says it shines out of darkness. The darker the night, the brighter the light. Because we've got into the place where we say with all reverence, we need you, Lord. We need you. And your word is the undergirding of my life. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Though all men should turn against you, I will never turn you away. I'm no respecter of persons. Said I not unto thee, he said to Mary at Lazarus' grave, he says, said I not unto thee that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. I love the line, I'm finishing now, this is it. It's all right now, Peter, or no, Paul went on for five more chapters whenever he said it the first time. <laughs> Father, I thank you that I, he says, at Lazarus' tomb, he says, Father, I thank you that thou hearest me. And I know that thou hearest me always. Our prayers would be a lot shorter. And they would never be repeated if we really got a hold of that. Thank you, dear God. You remember six weeks ago I prayed this? Write it down. And then write down whenever the answer came. Man, I'm like precious faith. Amen. Praise the Lord.